It's showtime. Don't say it, please. Don't say it. No, I have to say it, Mitch. Showtime. Showtime. It's showtime, everybody. Showtime. Welcome back to the Showtime Movie Podcast. I am your host, Show. Thank you for being alongside me, or I guess still being alongside me. I haven't done an episode in quite some time. Uh, The Blue Jays, I will admit, I know it's an excuse, uh, but they've been keeping me very, very busy. It's funny because I only do like 15 to 20% of hosting when it comes to the Blue Jays postgame show on the radio slash podcast form. But uh, Jays Talk, of course, Blue Jays Talk is the formal name. I am very proud of Jays Talk because... Uh, It consistently ranks as a top 10 sports podcast in all of Canada, which is pretty cool. It's one of the most popular baseball podcasts around a top. I think last I checked top 50 baseball podcast in the world. So that's pretty cool. That's kind of neat. I admit uh, Blair and Barker, Jeff Blair, Kevin Barker do most of the heavy lifting and I, I am their producer. So even if it's just from a producing standpoint, I uh, am very proud of, of Jay's talk, but uh, because the blue Jays play like, Basically every day, it does mean that doing stuff for fun is um, is kind of limited. But uh, I, I do want to try and do more between now and the end of the season. Because here's the thing. I still watch as many movies as I ever did. I probably watch maybe not more, but certainly as many as I used to. Like I, I, I was a part of the Barbenheimer phenomenon, even if I didn't watch uh, Barbie and, and Oppenheimer on the same day like a lot of people were the same weekend i did watch them within a couple of days of each other and i've seen Oppenheimer twice now i'm gonna go see blue beetle in a couple of days uh from recording this gonna i already have seen the teenage mutant ninja turtles animated movie i've seen pretty much all of the big movies of the summer including indiana jones and mission impossible and, and so on so i do want to get back into discussing those movies on the podcast and there probably will be like one of those maybe like i'll do three movies on one episode and then four on another episode. And we do like 15 minutes on each movie kind of thing. But I guess I, I wanted to take this moment to kind of get back into the swing of things and take a look at Ahsoka. Cause you guys remember I did the kind of Kenobi casts when uh, the Obi-Wan show came out. And now the next star Wars show is now this Ahsoka show. I feel like it's, it's not quite as uh, easily digestible, perhaps, as Obi-Wan is, if only because Obi-Wan Kenobi is in the movies and Ahsoka is not. But I got to say, it's a, it's a well-done show for the first two episodes that were released at the same time. So I'm going to try and get back into the swing of things by doing weekly episodes on Ahsoka, and then maybe while I'm in the studio, still do some recordings around actual movies that I will be uh, will be seeing slash have already seen, because let me tell you, there's a lot of them. I actually do have a Letterboxd account, which is just my, my regular handle, at Show Ali with two L's. Um, but, uh, and I don't really post very lengthy reviews. I, I mostly just post one sentence snarky reviews as, as most do, but, uh, it's mostly just a way it's kind of like Goodreads, right? It's kind of like a way of keeping track of your, the movies you've seen. One of my pals actually, uh, last year, I, cause I used to only put movies that I had never seen before on Letterboxd. So it kind of looked like I was only watching like 
15 to 20 movies a year where where in, re- in reality I watch a crap ton of movies a year it's just most of them are movies I've seen before you know whether I'm watching it with my wife who have never who's never seen them before like recently we actually completed a whole rewatch of all of the Mission Impossible movies because she's never seen any of them before we went to go see Dead Reckoning Part 1 or we watched all of the Indiana Jones movie again she's never seen any of them before we went to go see Dial of Destiny Things like that, right? We're currently in the midst of rewatching all the Harry Potter movies. She's a big Harry Potter fan because we had gone during the Blue Jays or the MLB All-Star break. We'd gone to Universal in Florida with one of my cousins who lives down in Orlando. So we went to Harry Potter World, like Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade for the first time for her. She'd never been. So kind of before and after that, we'd been in a Harry Potter kick and we had been in the middle of watching the Batman movies and she really wants to see the Robert Pattinson Batman. So you know what I mean? Like I see a lot of movies a year where I think we're at like 60 movies movies seen in 2023 my goal is 100 movies we'll see if we can get to 100 movies by the end of the year which i'm not sure i've ever done before so uh that's on the docket but i think that's that that's what we're going to aim for on the podcast we're going to aim for uh you know every time you come in for an ahsoka episode i'll review another movie as well and that'll go out kind of as as a separate episode but i appreciate you all sticking by me because i do enjoy doing this for fun it is one of my favorite like leisure things to do even if i know there's not a huge audience i do appreciate the few that do listen uh so why don't we get into it why don't we talk some star wars i i love the franchise as i've said before very near and dear to my heart i have a star wars tattoo maybe not an ahsoka tattoo but i do love the franchise and any excuse to discuss star wars universe i will uh, happily take and uh, luckily for me the ahsoka universe uh, headlined by dave filoni who created ahsoka as a character for the clone wars cartoon years and years ago now is involved as well so a, a lot of love i think goes into this and even though ahsoka might not be my favorite character in the star wars universe um it is pretty fun to see her come to life in live action in a big way on disney plus so let's get into it ahsoka episodes one and two right here on the podcast First thing to note about Ahsoka is that it is not Andor, right? And Andor is a phenomenal television program. I think just in its own right, not even related to Star Wars, just as a well-written, filmed, acted, and written television program, regardless of the Star Wars veneer, it's a phenomenal show. And I don't mean to compare it to Ahsoka in the sense that, because it's not as though the comparison should be taken to be and or good Ahsoka bad. It's just they are so different. They they could not they could not be any more different beyond the fact that they are both Star Wars properties, essentially, right? I still think Ahsoka is very good based on the little we have seen so far, just two episodes which were released uh early, I suppose, when I think every episode's coming out on Wednesdays going forward. But my my only point is that Andor requires such little knowledge of the Star Wars universe that all you really need to know is Rebels good, Empire bad, and Andor is on the fence as to whether or not he wants to be a rebel, and you kind of get to see his gradual evolution into a full-fledged rebel from the beginning of the show to the end of the show, 
Whereas, and, and I think that's a, that's just the progression. I think anyone can largely get behind the way they depict the the banality of evil that is the empire, not like the like the cartoonishly evil, the emperor lightning people, force lightning people to death with his hands, or Darth Vader busting out a lightsaber and chopping people into little pieces. Like it's it's not that kind of evil. It's like the bureaucracy of a gigantic government bludgeoning you to death with paperwork and and they just don't care type of evil because the the empire is too big to fail right like that that's something i think a lot of people can relate to which is why the star wars facing almost doesn't matter obviously it is pretty cool to see the little nods in the end to learn that all all the things they were building in andor are actually gears for the death star and stuff like that's kind of fun right I, i i get it but Ahsoka is almost the complete opposite in the sense that it does kind of require previous knowledge of Star Wars, most notably the cartoon Rebels. And I will say Rebels is more than the Clone Wars cartoon. And I admit I never grew up with either of those things, even though I am right the exact same age, the exact right age, I should say, for uh, the demographic, for uh, what the Clone Wars should have appealed to, right? Like in terms of me being like my mid-30s. So when the Clone Wars came out, I was like 11 or 12 or something like that. I was just about a teenager uh, when it came out. So like in theory, the Clone Wars and Rebels were created for me, like a preteen to teenager Star Wars fan. And I just never really got into it. I have seen, at this point in my life, I have seen the entirety of the Clone Wars and the entirety of Rebels. So I am familiar with Ahsoka and I am familiar with all the side characters that are very likely going to appear in Ahsoka and a couple of them already have, which are the main characters from the show Rebels. But if you have not watched Rebels, you probably will, to a certain extent, miss out on some pieces of like why certain characters are important to Ahsoka as a character herself. And at the very least, when it comes to Ahsoka as a character personally, Ahsoka was introduced in The Mandalorian. So at the very least, if you if you have not seen Rebels, you at least know who she is vis-a-vis The Mandalorian and vis-a-vis training Grogu. And you kind of have some knowledge of that because The Mandalorian was stupidly popular when it came out, and it still is, even if we never get another episode, as has been rumored, because it kind of it kind of ends on a on a on a happy end of the story note for for uh, Din and for Grogu. Um, I have no doubt that when we eventually get the what they're referring to as the Mandoverse movie, which is being directed by Dave Filoni, a solo standalone film. I have no doubt that Din is going to be in it. Boba Fett's going to be in it. Grogu is going to be in it. Uh, probably Ahsoka. And I think this, all of this is kind of leading up to what we think is an adaptation of Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire novels, which were the first Star Wars novels written in the expanded universe. Not the uh, Alan Dean Foster novelization of the original Star Wars movie, but the actual first, like, outside of the movie's scope here's what happens after Return of the Jedi uh, stuff. Like, we've never actually seen that before until we actually got The Mandalorian and, of course, the sequels. But, like, in terms of immediate aftermath of Return of the Jedi, you're not. we've never actually gotten anything prior to The Mandalorian. So it certainly feels as though the heir to the Empire uh, storyline is uh, going to be adapted to a certain way, in a, in a certain way, shape, or form by Dave Filoni. But again, if you're not super familiar with Rebels, you're probably not going to really care all that much about Grand Admiral Thrawn or Hera Syndulla or uh, Sabine Wren, and maybe you will not care as much about Ahsoka Tano. And I think 
Now, for, for those, if you're listening to something like this, you probably already care way more than the average person about Ahsoka. So maybe I don't need to go too much into the explanations of it. But knowing that Ahsoka is Anakin's apprentice during the Clone Wars is probably as much as any of us need to know. And to their credit in this show, they spend a lot of the first episode and some of the second episode as well. They send, spend a lot of time explaining who Ahsoka is, what her relationship is to Anakin, why she has the motivation she does. Again, it does require you to at the very least have watched The Mandalorian, but it's very clear she's a Jedi. Like in the first 10 seconds of her appearing on screen, she busts out her, her twin lightsabers. So it's it's not a, a huge mystery as to like who she is. It is a larger mystery as to, as to what she is doing, and then that is quickly explained as well. But, um, yeah, I, I do think you're going to get a lot more out of it if you do watch Rebels. Um, and, and from the looks of it, it kind of feels like we're going to get a lot more of the Rebels characters like Sabine, like Hera. We saw um, Zeb, which is one of the characters. I don't think he was ever named or referred to in the last episode or last couple episodes of The Mandalorian, but he was in it. So I got to think that that's going to be more than just a cameo now in The Mandalorian. Like He almost certainly is going to show up at some point. In, in this TV show, we already got we got to see everyone's fir- favorite murderous little uh, astromech in Chopper, who um, apparently has no qualms about shooting down a ship over a highly populated area, area which is kind of funny because that's exactly what he became known for in the Rebels TV show. So glad to see that Chopper has not changed any bit. Uh, and I, I got to think many of the other characters will make an appearance as well. It's funny even to see the that guy Ryder who was in the show voiced by Clancy Brown, played by Clancy Brown in the actual TV show. That was kind of fun. I don't know if you necessarily call it an Easter egg because they kind of did the same thing with um, with the character from from Mando, right? Uh, Katie Sackhoff's character who who voiced her same character in the, in the show and, and then, of course, played her in live action. So not everyone can do that, but it was kind of fun to see Clancy Brown <laughs> do it in this one. But um, look, I, I, performance-wise... I don't have any real complaints about anyone. I mean, Rosario Dawson is no Ashley Eckstein, certainly, because voice, voicing a character is certainly much different than playing it in live action, especially weirdo alien characters that have the, the head tails, which are referred to as Leku in the Star Wars universe. Like, it's just, it's going to be different, right? Rosario Dawson is a phenomenal actress. I think she did a great job in Mando, and I think she continues to do a great job as, as a wise version of Ahsoka. Um, the newcomers in... Uh, in Sabine, I I thought they did a great job as well. And uh, you know what? S- same goes for Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Hera. The voice certainly will take some getting used to in terms of the difference between, let's say, Vanessa Marshall, the original voice actor who did the voice of Hera, and now and now Mary Elizabeth Winstead. But it just they're also characters at different points in their lives versus uh, you know versus the Rebels and the Rebels versus where they are now. So maybe that that can be the kind of out of universe or in universe part of me explanation beyond just you couldn't have the same person play them kind of like we talked about with Rosario Dawson you can't have the same person always always play them in live action versus playing them in in a cartoon I do kind of wonder if you might not get Steve Bloom and uh, Tia Sarkar and uh, certainly Vanessa Marshall and certainly Ashley Eckstein with some live action roles at some point the kind of in the same way when they had the last of us Everyone who had major roles, especially the people who voiced Joel and Ellie in the game, had relatively big roles on an acting perspective, real-life live-action acting in the actual TV show. So I can't help but think that maybe they might give those other people who have actual roles 
maybe some live action FaceTime on screen. Again, Steve Bloom might be a big exception to not doing it because he might be just be asked to voice his alien looking character in uh, in this show. But beyond him, it would be kind of cool to see Vanessa Marshall and Tia Sarkar and and certainly Ashley Eckstein get some get some time here. Uh, of of the original characters, we got to see some. And, I mean, they're all original characters because they're all they're all fake characters. But <laughs> but of of the characters being introduced in Ahsoka for the first time, uh, Ray Stevenson has got to be the standout. I I got to think, and I'm not just saying that because he recently passed away. I think he died back in May. Uh, he was 58 when he died, which is pretty crazy considering. I mean, 58 is not young. That's like younger than my parents are, and. I think very unexpected, right? There's a, a sudden passing. So, you know, rest in peace to Ray Stevenson. He's, he was one of those, like, character actors that I think everyone did the Leonardo DiCaprio from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood point at the screen whenever they saw him, right? It's like, hey, it's that guy. It's that guy. The, the roles I always think of when I think of Ray Stevenson are as follows. And you guys let me know if if... I don't think these are, are hot takes by any means because these are some of his most famous roles, but certainly him playing Ro- the guy from Rome. I always forget his name. I think it's Pulo, Titus Pulo. Is that his, his character's name? But the character from Rome, uh, he was a very good Blackbeard on Black Sails. I know that was a lesser watched show compared to Rome, for example, but Black Sails, very good watch. If you have not seen it, I highly recommend it, but he plays Blackbeard and there have been many... Uh, on-screen versions of Blackbeard over the years, but he was a great Blackbeard in Black Sails. Uh, oddly, I think of him in uh, the G.I. Joe Retaliation movie. Do you guys remember that? Like, remember how they made the first movie, which I think was just called, I think it was just called G.I. Joe, I want to say, but the one with Channing Tatum, right? The one with Channing Tatum. And then I think Sienna Miller was in that one and Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in that one. And then, and it like bombed, right? It wasn't a very good movie. It bombs. And then they make G.I. Joe Retaliation, and they basically start that movie by having everyone die and having the G.I. Joe, as the title would imply, uh, retaliate against Cobra. And uh, they they kind of, like, cheat a little bit by had, having Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Cobra, Cobra Commander, like, be horribly disfigured and wear the mask and have a, the voice modulator and so on. So you don't really have to worry too much about seeing Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And as far as I remember, it's he's not played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Maybe he is, but I would be surprised if he was. Probably just some random guy with a random voice. But it, it, was, it was well done enough. But it was with The Rock and, uh, uh, well, certainly a, a number of other people as well. But Ray Stevenson was Bruce Willis was in that movie. Actually, now that I think about it, I think he was like jo, like General Joseph something. He was like the original GI Joe, basically, right? But I remember Ray Stevenson was Firefly, and Ray Stevenson is the one that breaks them all out of prison at the very beginning of the movie. I thought he was a pretty good Firefly. Uh, I, I enjoyed watching him in that one, a badass version of Firefly. And then uh, he was also that Circo guy in one of the. One of the post-Trinity seasons of Dexter. I think he was like the main antagonist for that season of Dexter. He's just been in so many things, and he was always very, very good in them. So it's a shame we'll never get to see him again. It does make you wonder what the plan is for Balin Cross, the name of his Star Wars character, because he is one of the few characters, and again, it's only two episodes in, so we'll have to see what happens going forward, but he is one of the few characters that really has some gravitas, I would say, Right, like he ha- he has some real presence, 
And it's interesting because I'm not sure that he is a Sith. He just is not a Jedi. Maybe just a dark Jedi, a dark force user. They might not use actual uh, labels when it comes to that. But uh, regardless of what, whatever they are, I thought it was really interesting. I'm not actually sure what his apprentice's name is, but it, it did. I did find it kind of interesting that they did have... Um, like the like the through line of him t- having an apprentice and the girl had a Padawan braid and, you know, they, they there was a line from David Tennant's robot, which was also from the cartoon, by the way. So that's kind of fun. Who Yang? But uh, it's fun to, so fun to see that David Tennant, who is ridiculously famous, return to voice his, his a robot character, right? His droid character. But uh, from, from that character, we learned that this guy is basically teaching his... Uh, apprentice how to make lightsabers so he's kind of acting like a proper Jedi Knight Jedi Master for this apprentice but he's not a Jedi so interesting well perhaps we'll find more find out more about his background they kind of explicitly say that perhaps he, he himself was a Padawan when the order fell at the end of episode three maybe he was a Jedi Knight because he's a little older right so he could he could easily be a Jedi Knight he kind of looks like he would have been the same age as like Obi-Wan so maybe, maybe he would have been a Jedi Knight or, or just an older Padawan for example in the same way that Kanan was and of course Kanan Jarrus a character from Rebels maybe they're trying to draw that parallel as well but uh, definitely the most interesting character like I said I did not catch the name I admit of the of the apprentice but i will admit when i saw the apprentice uh come on screen all i could think of was oh man all of the loser chuds who hate that women are in important critical roles in star wars are gonna love are gonna hate pardon me or maybe they're gonna love to hate (laughs) ahsoka as a tv show because all of the main characters in this show basically outside of balin himself are women, and I personally have no problem with that. They are all unspeakably badass. It's cool to see Hera in live action. It's cool to see Sabine uh, wield a lightsaber, even if she, as they say, does not have a large aptitude for the Force, but it is still cool to see her wield a lightsaber and wield Ezra's lightsaber, another character I'm sure we will find out about more about from an Ahsoka TV show standpoint a little later on, but uh, I'm also looking forward to finding out more about Ezra because he uh, is brown and... Uh, how many brown characters are there in Star Wars? Pre- precious few. So I am very much looking forward to it. But um, I, as in a, without getting too much off on that aside, it is it is pretty funny to see that uh, so many of the people who like hate to love Star Wars or love to hate Star Wars are going to be, I'm sure, whining about all the women, even though they're all really, really cool and really, really badass. Um, but it's, so it's kind of funny to see them add another character like that. Um, and of course, uh, as as it should be, because no one wants to watch a TV show with unattractive people. At the very least, she is uh, also hot. So I mean, maybe that's neither here nor there. But it did make me. It did make me like laugh out loud when I was like, "Oh man!" Of course, they make the evil Sith girl hot, which is really funny. But hey, she is uh, really she was she was great. I, I think the the physicality of the lightsaber battle between her and Sabine was really cool to see as well. Because you just don't often get. That in modern Star Wars, it kind of feels like, right? Like whether or not it, it was a a very well choreographed battle, and I think that's kind of on purpose because clearly Sabine, not a Force user or not a very strong Force user, and then she also just hasn't picked up the lightsaber. It would seem in a very long time. So for it to look like the Sith girl or the dark side user knows what she's doing more with the saber than Sabine does, I think makes sense in universe. And I'm sure now that. 
we're we're seeing the relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine get repaired as we do by the end of episode two, you're probably going to see more of that. Can I just say, though, and they did this in Kenobi, too, a lot of people get lightsaber stabs to the gut and survive these days. I'm not complaining because, frankly, it was I, I did always think it's kind of dumb that you take one brief lightsaber and you're getting chopped in half. And even that has not stopped people from coming back to life, as we saw with Darth Maul and and the kind of the cartoons like Clone Wars and so on as well. But I just, <laughs> it's just kind of funny that Sabine takes a lightsaber stab to the gut and is like largely fine, like by the next day, which is really funny. Uh, whereas like what Qui-Gon takes a lightsaber stab to the gut and dies immediately. Like what the heck's up with that? Maybe Sabine did get a, a medical attention right away, but Come on, like lightsaber gut stabs to the gut just aren't what they used to be. Maybe medical, maybe maybe medical uh, care has gotten that much better in the Star Wars universe since uh, since since the prequels. Like, I guess what? Like, they're they're now coming up on like a hundred years since the pre. No, that can't be right. Maybe not a hundred years. Maybe like sixty years, fifty, sixty years since the events of the prequels. If you think about. Obi-Wan having been like a teenager, he's probably like 18 or 19 in the in episode one and probably would, and would be like an old man by the time you get to Ahsoka, which is post episode six. So maybe that's what it is, right? But it's just kind of funny to think that like, I don't know. You think that like lightsaber stabs would be less uh, or more fatal, all things considered. But I'm not complaining. Uh, you knew they were going to, maybe that's what it was. You knew they weren't going to kill Sabine. And and again, maybe this is just the the fault of people having watched too much TV, certainly me or you guys, or perhaps also the fault of streaming, because you also know Sabine's not going to die when you click out of the episode, and the thumbnail for the next episode has a picture of Sabine in it. So <laughs> maybe they need to avoid doing that. Again, maybe they also never intended for you to think that Sabine was in danger of actually dying. But if that's the case, then like do literally anything else, because again, I think we're we're kind of coded to think because of everything Star Wars has taught you that lightsaber stabs to the gut are fatal, but whatever. She doesn't die. No, I didn't really want her to die anyways. It's just kind of funny that that's how that, that fight uh, basically ended. I'm sure we'll see a rematch between the two, and I, I very much look forward to it. Um, generally speaking, though, the other little Easter eggs I thought were fascinating, that the uh, Morgan Elspeth, I, maybe, or Elspeth, maybe, um, not a P, maybe a B there, but uh, she seems to be descended from the night sisters of Dathomir and not an actual night sister herself. Like she did have that kind of like creepy look. She wore the robe. She had like the markings on the forehead, but a lot of the night sisters had markings like all over their face, like on their cheekbones and down their necks and so on. So I, I kind of wonder if she's not actually a night sister, even though she is clearly a force user, I wonder if she's just, and she uses the word descendant herself, so maybe she's not actually a night sister. But uh, it was a fun Easter egg because, of course, in Clone Wars and Rebels, we could get to see a lot of the night sisters. And uh, the Dathomiri witches are um, often revered or, or feared as uh, very powerful force users. So even if she is not an actual, legitimate, like named official night sister, she still clearly is going to be a formidable opponent. Although it does beg the question why she needed Balin to like unlock her handcuffs. If she could just, I don't know, do that herself, but maybe it was just to show that Balin could do whatever the hell he wants and to establish that at the beginning of the episode, which just makes me laugh because she literally later like summons green flame. And then it's like, Oh, it's all working or whatever. Right. But anyway, so, uh, so there's Morgan. She was an interesting character. Kind of fun to see that the Dathomir stuff. Um, she makes mention 
when they go to that site, when they show the, ga- the, the travel to another galaxy, she makes mention of an ancient empire who built, like from outside the galaxy, who built those ruins. And then you also hear, and I think it was the apprentice who says this, they refer to the ship as the Eye of Scion. And now, I had to go rewatch the subtitles. I think the subtitles did say, like, I, E-Y-E, of, O-F, Scion, S-I-O-N. Now, we've already, and we already heard them in these pair of episodes reference hunter-killer droids, the HK droid units, which we have heard reference to in The Mandalorian, which, of course, Dave Filoni has a big hand in as well. It just, it makes me think, and again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm projecting here, but it makes me think that they are very slowly, piece by piece, canonizing parts, large parts, of the Knights of the Old Republic video game series made by Bioware in the 2000s, which honestly would be phenomenal because more, for me, personally... Uh, more than the Clone Wars and the Rebels as TV shows, the definitive piece of Star Wars media beyond the actual movies is KOTOR, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, because they're phenomenal video games. I still think to this day they are the best video games ever made in the Star Wars universe. TIE Fighters up there, certainly. The Dark Forces franchise up there, certainly. And and certainly the Fallen Order stuff. I, I haven't played Jedi Survivor yet, actually. I mean, keep meaning to do that. When it goes on sale on Black Friday, I'm going to buy it. But uh, those, are, those are good modern games as well. But the best period Star Wars video games are Knights of the Old Republic with Revan and your party members and all those things. They are the best. I wish I could experience them for the first time without the twist uh, in my mind, because it's one of the best things in the Star Wars universe, and that they are seemingly canonizing pieces of the lore. Scion, of course, Darth Scion, one of the bad guys uh, from 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 KOTOR 2, uh, the Ancient Empire. They don't say this directly by any means, but it certainly feels like it could be the Rakuten Empire. It could be any number of things. It could be the Yuuzha and Vong, for all we know, which is another uh, big piece of the expanded universe prior to Disney buying the franchise, but you know, if that's what they're doing, that'd be really cool because I would kill for a KOTOR movie, like a, a KOTOR series of movies. Like you could easily make the first movie, pardon me, the first video game into like maybe two movies, I would say, maybe a duology. And then you make the other one into a duology as well. Uh, f- phenomenal video games, phenomenal voice acting, great writing. I think a lot of those guys in terms of writers have left Bioware. So I don't know if they ever will make another another KOTOR and a lot of the plans for KOTOR 3 were just made into Star Wars The Old Republic, which is that online kind of like World of Warcraft style RPG, which you have to have like a paid subscription for. I think it's free now. But my point being is that there was never, to, in my opinion, there was never a satisfying conclusion to that trilogy. So I would love to at the very least see it remade in movie form. That would be so, so cool. Um, and I am absolutely here for it. Uh, but those are the kind of Easter eggs I thought were kind of fascinating because they like seem to be explicitly referencing that era of Star Wars. So that'd be kind of cool if we ever got more of that. The other thing too is at the end of the uh, second episode, uh, when the uh, they take the hyperdrive uh, engine to wherever they're building that giant ring, Correct me if I'm wrong, but what it looks like is a giant hyperspace ring, much in the same way that I think in episode two, where Obi-Wan takes his Jedi starfighter and travels to, I mean, all over the place, certainly, but I think we kind of, we see it in action most uh, on uh, when they go to Kamino 
to see Django Fett and the Kaminoans and the cloners and so on. And he sees the clone army for the very first time. But uh, Obi-Wan has the... Uh, Obi-Wan has the ring for his Jedi Starfighter. So it's kind of like the Jedi Starfighter docks with the ring and then the ring jumps him to hyperspace. Then he undocks with it and then he flies away. But then if he wants to get back to hyperspace, he has to go back to the ring. It looks like a much larger version of the ring. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like it was being outfitted to hold a Star Destroyer. And again, for those who are not familiar, Grand Admiral Thrawn, who seems like he is going to be the chief antagonist of this entire show, and probably if if the rumors about the heir to the Empire thing are true, uh, will be the antagonist of that as well, because the books are about Grand Admiral Thrawn's attempted conquest of the New Republic. So it kind of feels like that's what we're building up to with season one of Ahsoka. And of course, Ezra is going to be a part of it. And it just, it's so interesting because of course, like it was, it was written in like the nineties or whatever. And now they're, they're like re canonizing parts of what was not Canon before Disney bought everything. So very fascinating to see what they're doing Uh, in the rebels series finale. What happens is, uh, Ezra, who is finally coming into his own, who kind of starts the show as someone who doesn't really know anything about being a Jedi or that he has Force powers, after learning about using the Force from his from his Jedi friend Kanan, who dies during the course of Rebels. It's not a spoiler. The show's been out for over, well over a decade. It's on you if you haven't watched it by now. But Ezra learns how to use the Force, and... By the end of the show, he is an accomplished Jedi Knight. He turns away the Emperor. He resists temptation from the dark side. By the end of the show, Thrawn is about to destroy the planet of Lothal, which we visit in Ahsoka episodes one and two. And Ezra's plan focuses around getting rid of Thrawn. And he basically uses these like hyperspace whale things to take Thrawn and his his massive star destroyer the chimera and jump him away it just they just vanish into the ether into the hyperspace lanes and presumably not into actual hyperspace lanes because those are like mapped lanes by people uh and probably using some weirdo way of tra- you know transversing hyperspace with these like organic whale hyperspace things and uh, they vanish, and that's how it ends. It ends on kind of a cliffhanger. You don't see Thrawn again. Ezra kind of sacrifices himself and gets blown away with the hyperspace whale things and Thrawn into God knows where, and the show ends. You never see Ezra again, and now we're learning a part of the appeal for Sabine and being involved in using the star map thingy is that, which is also, by the way, something from KOTOR, so that's another thing, but... Uh, but you know, you, you had to see Sabine's motivation for finding Ezra who, who it's funny, like seems to refer to her as a sister, even though I kind of got more BFGF vibes from the, from their relationship. But uh, I guess we'll see. We'll see how that works. Maybe, maybe, maybe it'll change if we ever see Ezra again, but, um, Sabine clearly looking for Ezra, Ahsoka clearly looking for Thrawn and, uh, that's the motivation. So Clearly, Morgan and the Darksiders are looking that to go to wherever the hell Thrawn is and to bring him back and his super Star Destroyer, or just his normal Star Destroyer, his Imperial Star Destroyer with the hyperspace ring. So we'll see. Honestly, we'll see. The, uh, the It was a promising start to Ahsoka. I'll say that. A promising start. I, I admit, I, I said this before, I've never been a huge fan of Ahsoka as a character, because not because I couldn't get over the annoying little like teenage girl 
from the beginning of Clone Wars that clearly evolves into a much more mature character by the end of the show and certainly into Rebels as well. It's more that Dave Filoni has always shoehorned her in into every important Star Wars scene or development in the background. So like it, it's it's kind of like, oh, that that meeting that the council had where Anakin was telling them about the the report of Palpatine being a Sith Lord. Actually, Ahsoka was just standing behind Anakin just out of view or like the rebellion was actually formed by Ahsoka. And like when they go to Endor, she actually gives them the plans, the, the blank and blank. You know what I mean? It's just like that kind of stuff always kind of annoyed me because it always felt like kind of a retcon of like really important stuff with like Dave Filoni's own, own pet character. And now she's getting her own TV show. And now they're kind of like rewriting the heir to the empire beginning of the story to include Ahsoka. It just seems kind of unnecessary. And, and, it, and it's, it's the other half of it is if we're going to get original characters, why don't we just get fully original character? Like, right. Give me more stuff like the sequels. And again, you can have your opinions on whether or not the sequels were done well or not. But Ray and Finn and Poe and Hux and Kylo Ren, they're all original characters. I want more original character stuff. I, I You know, the Man- Mandalorian, Baby Yoda, I know Grogu is his name, but Baby Yoda and Din, they're original characters. Like, Dave Filoni is clearly capable of creating interesting original characters, and we haven't gotten that a whole hell of a lot, so... I would like to see more of that, if at all possible. I don't know if we ever will. Again, I know Ahsoka is a very popular character uh, for the, the the really intense part of the fandom, so I have no no doubt that she is going to survive going forward. But if they ever do make this Mandoverse Heir to the Empire movie, I wouldn't mind seeing her kind of bite it to make make way for another character, but... I have my doubts that that'll happen in this TV show. Not that I necessarily want it to happen because again, Rosario Dawson's doing a great job, but it's just, I think I've had enough of her being like the one to show Luke how to do stuff. It's like, I don't know. It's like that there's, there's a certain level of characters that I think, you know, and it always, it always kind of also annoys me when people, people are like, Oh, well, star Wars is, you know, she's a great female representation character. Yeah. It's not as though, the Star Wars, like Star Wars is a lot of problems with a lot of different things. And I actually would venture to say as much as I love it, there's a lot of Star Wars that like critically is not very good, but I will say one of the problems it has never had, in my opinion, is with female representation. Leia is a famously in like sci-fi, a strong female character. Padme, if you want to look to the prequels, a famously strong character. Now, of course, Ahsoka was created before Rey, but Rey also a very strong female character. But uh, my my only point is like people are like it's the first, it's, she's the best female representation character in the whole series. No, Leia is the best female representation character in the whole series. Ahsoka can be for a different generation, perhaps as well. But to claim that she is the best or the only one is kind of weird to me, and that's that, that always been one of my bugaboos with Ahsoka because it's almost like they intentionally erase some of the characters that came before. But whatever, maybe again it's a generational thing which again is odd to me because you would think I would fit more in the Ahsoka Clone Wars Rebels camp than I do in the, any of the other camps as well. But I mean, here we are. What are we going to do? Here I am. <laughs> Either way, uh, Ahsoka sees uh, episodes one and two of, of season one. I have no doubt you'll get more Ahsoka going forward, but very good so far. I got to say, excellent. The acting I know is... Uh, I don't know if it's like perfect necessarily, but then again, I'm not sure if they've been asked to do a lot. I think the best acting so far has been done by uh, Ray Stevenson. Makes me again, it makes me wonder 
what the end of the season will look like for his character almost certainly has been filmed, but knowing that he is unfortunately no longer with us uh, in real life kind of makes you wonder what the plan is for his character going forward. Do they just recast it if he does live uh, through the end of the season? Does the character die by the end of the season? Regardless, it was very nice to see that at the end of the episode, uh, before the credits rolled, a little title card came up and said, for our friend Ray, because uh, that that felt very fitting because uh, he's he's a phenomenal actor and I think he will be um, very sorely missed. Uh, but that does it for our, uh, not only uh, the, the inaugural... Uh, I can if we call it Kenobi cast like the Ahsoka cast I don't know we'll just say the inaugural reviews of Ahsoka's uh, uh, first couple episodes episodes one and two it was kind of fun to see her be like the Indiana Jones type character in the first it kind of like was a cross between Indiana Jones and like the fifth element those are the vibes I got because remember there's that scene at the end of the fifth element where they're like looking at all the little monuments and they have to figure out how to activate them with all the various actual elements like fire and and water and so on but air etc i thought it was it was very very much give me the fifth element vibes crossed with indiana jones which i can kind of like so it'd be kind of cool if you got more of that it'd be kind of fun but um i'm hoping for more of that i'm hoping for more kotor uh references going forward and certainly i'm hoping we see more of the original rebels cast now that we've gotten to see chopper hera and sabine i want to see some zeb i kind of wonder if you see um i forgot what the guy's name is the guy with the huge beard who's like an imperial who joins them later on uh, i hope we see that guy he he was a fun character as well and you know what i i bet we see some flashbacks with uh hayden christensen playing anakin uh just just like we did with obi-wan i bet we see that in this one too which i think would be a lot of fun but uh hey i appreciate you guys being along me alongside me uh, for uh, getting back in the saddle for the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Like I said, we're going to try and do Ahsoka reviews every week going forward, some shorter reviews certainly, kind of like we did for this one. And and then beyond that, we'll probably also take a look at some movies as well because I do want to get back into the swing of things with some of the movies I saw, certainly over the course of the summer. I don't know if we need to go all the way back to the Oscars of last year, but as we kind of start to gear up for the Oscars of next year, uh, we might as well start getting into the reviews in as well. So um, we'll chat about that. No TIFF for me, by the way, this year. They, they Those bastards, they denied my TIFF, uh, my TIFF application. So whatever, I haven't done the, uh, the podcast in a while, so probably the right move, but um, we'll TIFF with Tiff on the very near horizon. I'm sure there's lots to talk about. So appreciate you guys being alongside me. Uh, thank you for joining me on the Showtime movie podcast. I'll talk to you later. Kill her. Don't be ashamed. There's so few Jedi left.